Hello, this is Ross from Oh No, Ross and Carrie, and this will be a sleep track to help you as you go to bed. For this track, I will be reading from L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology, A History of Man, Antediluvian Technology. Now, as always, in Scientology, it's important to define your terms. So know that antediluvian means of or belonging to the time before the Great Flood, the universal deluge recorded as having occurred in the days of Noah. Now, a few words before we begin. I chose this particular book because of all the things I have read from Scientology. This may be, perhaps, the most batshit crazy. I'm surprised they release it to the general public. I do promise at the end not to loudly proclaim cancelled, because that might wake you up. Now, if you are not already in a resting position, lie down, feel the weight of your body against the surface it is lying on. Sink into that surface. Let all the muscles in your body become loose and relaxed. And now we will read from Chapter 4, The Genetic Line. The genetic line consists of the total of incidents which have occurred during the evolution of the messed body itself. The composite of these facsimiles has the semblance of a being. This being would be called the genetic entity, or the GE. The GE is not an actual individual, but a composite of individualities assumed in the single lives along the evolutionary track. The discovery of the GE makes it possible at least to vindicate the theory of evolution proposed by Charles Darwin, and to discover the various missing connections in the line, as well as to explore the characteristics, goals, and developmental urges of organisms on the evolutionary line. Further, the discovery of the GE makes it possible to adjust hitherto contrary material in the theory of evolution. Darwin and others proposed some scores of years since that an animal body was developed by necessity into successive organisms, each one better adjusted to its environment. The organisms began in simplicity and graduated through successive eons into complexity. Darwin proposed that natural selection was the guiding principle and that protoplasm, genes, etc., were alone capable of modifying the organism. Later workers proposed ingenious theories of electronic mutation. Prior to these discoveries of Darwin and others, Earthmen accepted various impossibilities as the explanation of the variety of animal forms. The Vedic theories persisted until the early ADs, when a new cult arose in the Middle East, 30 degrees north latitude, 
30 degrees to 80 degrees east longitude earth and proposed that animals had been created suddenly from mud by a creator and that this included man. The Vedic peoples had proposed much earlier that a sort of evolution was responsible for the various forms. Darwin and his co-workers picked up this theory after the Vedic hymns had been transplanted to Europe about a century earlier, concurrent with the French-English conquest of India. Considerable turmoil resulted from the introduction of the Darwinian theories, as these were then in direct contrast with the existing superstition. A trial of a schoolteacher who dared teach the theory of evolution in a backwoods area of the United States resulted in a victory for the superstition. The schoolteacher standing convicted, but evolution received so much publicity over the world as a result that it is now the generally taught theory in schools. However, one should not think of evolution as a standard or precise theory. It is a sprawling and contradictory mass of poorly compiled data taken from ancient swamps and tar pits, and there are many schools of evolution. These are taught ununiformly in biology classes. Biology is based on cytology, or the study of cells. Existing theory in cytology is quite contradictory to various tenets of evolution. In other words, the field is poorly integrated and badly understood and not overly gifted with data. The discoveries in Scientology can be addressed to the sciences of biology and cytology with considerable profit by auditing previously uninformed preclears up this evolutionary line. The results are similar, if not identical. The most direct address to altering the shape and form of the mess body of the preclear is the auditing of the evolutionary line. Many illnesses, aches, and pains are residual in the body line itself. These are re-stimulated by the environment or the thoughts and actions of the theta being, and, once re-stimulated, alter the physical condition of the body. However, the body is responsive in present time to the command of a re-strengthened theta being and the shape and condition of the body can be otherwise changed than by solely addressing the GE. Single or multiple cells respond, each one, as though it had its own GE. Very early on the time track, in the area of the photon converter, or the helper, the GE and the cell entity are the same, for here the incidents are single-cell incidents. The theory of the epicenters applies very particularly along the messed evolutionary line. This theory holds that in any given generation on the evolutionary line, the sum of its counter-efforts will form in the next generation, the new command post. Every central relay point of the nerve system has been, at some time or another, on the evolutionary line. Every central relay point of the nerve system has been, 
at some time or another on the evolutionary line. A command post or a subcommand post of the organism. As the organism develops these command posts, each one is subjected to new counter efforts which form the area of the new command post. Thus the body has many old command posts from which the somatic mind, or GE, controlled all the responses of the body. The funny bone in the elbow is an old subcommand post, an old epicenter. Any point of reflex response in the body was an old command post or subcommand post. These epicenters stand along the nerve channels of the body and are like switchboards. They still command their immediate areas and, independently of the central command post in the brain, can cause reaction in their area. The best example of this and the most important point for the auditor is the fact that two separate lines once merged, mollusk, and thereafter worked together as a team. These lines, each one, now has its own command post, its own memory bank. And now, skipping forward. Remember that in all early incidents, there is a GE line for the left side of the body and one for the right side, and either one can affect the whole body when it is run. Thus, there are atoms for the right and left and cosmic rays for the right and left sides both. The Photon Converter All early life is fixated on converting photons to energy. One finds the algae and the plankton taking their living from photons from the sun and minerals from the sea. Because at night there is no sunlight, the photon converter sinks into an apathy which eons later becomes the messed body's craving for sleep. This is a basic problem of no energy received, very little storage for energy. All photon converter incidents are concerned with light and dark, the storms of the sea, the fight to keep from rolling into the surf. The fear of and combat with the merciless surf is characteristic of all early incidents until well after the weeper. Sending the ill to the seashore to listen to surf is a guaranteed restimulator. There are many types of these incidents. A basic one is concerned with fear of sinking, effort to rise, for the photon converter must stay afloat. Past deaths as a photon converter are common, for only by dying and knowing how one died could the GE utilize the chief counter-efforts which menaced. A chain of experience which did not include death would not be able to build efficient organisms and would be unprofitable. Death on the GE line has a very great value and marks progress. Death on the theta line is so much wasted time, hence the quarrel between the GE and the theta being. The helper. The helper is one of the most powerful incidents 
in terms of charge on the early track. It is actually mitosis, or cell splitting. The GE carries along a tiny cell, mobile and swimming. Suddenly, it decides to divide. It starts to split in half. There is usually an enormous struggle in the splitting. One side wants to split, the other usually does not want to split. Having split, one side is energetic and starts to go about its business. Then it sees that the other side is limp and falling toward the mud below the water. The energetic side turns and dives and tries to nudge the other up to the surface, tries to revive it. The failing side may revive. In the incidents you will find, there will be one or two outcomes. The falling side fails despite the other's efforts. The falling side revives, and now all energetic swims away, leaving to his fate the other that helped it, and who is now too weak to live, and so sinks and dies. There are two sides to the helper. The whole sequence of the losing side is present. The whole sequence of the winning side is present. The confusion lies in the fact that each is itself, but a moment ago was the other. There are whole squads of helpers. It is a confusing area for the GE, which herein has much cause for misidentification. The Clam A variety of incidents may intervene between the helper and the weeper. These are the evolution chain which includes jellyfish, seaweed, and some other forms. It is interesting that immobile states are most liable to have heavy incidents. It is also interesting that bulbous seaweed, uprooted and cast ashore by storms, gave man some of his early experiences with sunlight in the absence of water. A distinct somatic of drying and itching is felt by preclears when they encounter this incident. A re-stimulation of the drying outer skin of the dying seaweed. It is also interesting that bulbous seaweed is an early pattern of man's later general form. Jellyfish incidents are quite remarkable for their occasional aberrative force. The jellyfish sometimes drifts into a cave or grotto and is pressed against the stone by rising tide and waves, thus gaining the first facsimiles which later become a shell as in the clam. Here is an example of the principle of counter-efforts molding the physical shape and necessities of life forms. The clam is a deadly incident, but mostly when re-stimulated on purpose. The clam is a deadly incident, but mostly when re-stimulated on purpose. Although this area of the track is called the clam, it is improbable that the actual animal was a clam such as our razorbacks. Visios on this seem to indicate that it is a scalloped lip, white-shelled creature, 
The clam was, of course, quite thoroughly fixed to the rocks, and the state is very static. The clam had many troubles. The first of these troubles is the double hinge problem. One hinge wishes to stay open, the other tries to close. Thus, conflict occurs. Here we have two control centers, both of them more or less equal in power, having no internal communication. In the jellyfish, we have the first third dynamic engrams, where the goal is to hold together at all costs. As soon as the hinges are formed in the clam, we have our first efforts to be completely contrary and internally at war. The solution occurs when one hinge goes into apathy and the other assumes complete control. The hinge epicenters later become the hinges of the human jaw. Should you desire to confirm this, describe to some initiated person the death of a clam without saying what you are describing. Can you imagine a clam sitting on the beach, opening and closing its shell very rapidly? Make a motion with your thumb and forefinger of a rapid opening and closing. The victim may grip his jaws with his hand and feel quite upset. He may even have to have a few teeth pulled. At the very least, he will argue as to whether or not the shell stays opened at the end or closed, and he will, with no hint of the death aspect of it, talk about the poor clam, and he will feel quite sad emotionally. The clam had an astonishing number of adventures for so minor a creature. It would get things into its shell and be unable to get them out. It would get its shell stuck open and be unable to shut it, and it would come loose from its rocks under the surface of the water and get tossed into the broil of the surf, and it would become deserted by the tide and left to bake under a frying sun, a quite uncomfortable situation which re-stimulates sometimes in a sunburn. Once again, moving forward. The Weeper After leaving the sea, the GE spent a half a million years on the beach. It had already known about air as a plankton, had known about the beach as seaweed and dying clam, but it nevertheless required some half a million years, according to the evolutionists, for the creature to learn to use the land. The plights of the weaver are many and pathetic. Still obtaining its food from the waves, it had yet to breathe. Waves are impetuous and often irregular. The weeper would open up to get food from the water and get a wave in the shell. It would vigorously pump out the water and try to get some air, and then, before it could gulp atmosphere, be hit by another wave. Here was anxiety. Being still a shell animal, the mobility of the weeper is poor. It could not withdraw rapidly, nor advance rapidly. Tides went out and left it to bake and thirst. 
The sand got into it, and it had to pump water swiftly in order to continue to live. The weeper is so called because it had to pump salt water. It was deduced that crying in a human being is very unnatural. Why is it that a human being has to pump out some salt water in order to feel better? Which is to say, why does crying out a grief charge produce such a change in a case? The incident must be one of pumping out salt water, and this is practically the total activity of the weeper, which, living perilously on the edge of the surf, had to pump to eat and to breathe. The creature had two pumping tubes. These later became, because they were furthest toward the light, the eyes of the human being. These tubes had very rough treatment, getting full of sand, being battered by surf. The inability of a preclear to cry is partly a hang-up in the weeper. He is about to be hit by a wave, has his eyes full of sand, or is frightened about opening his shell because he may be hit. An occluded case is sometimes merely a case of shell shut. Get the preclear to imagine that his eyes are in his mouth, looking out. Get him to scan through such a situation. You will find the weeper which he has in restimulation. If you make a preclear go through all the physical motions of sobbing convulsively, no matter what his emotion may be, he may connect with the weeper, belching, gasping, sobbing, choking, shuddering, trembling, are all manifestations of emotional dramatization of the weeper. The weeper, originally called the Grim Weeper, or the Boo-Hoo, had trillions of misadventures. Scanning over these, the auditor will find the one or two which have remained in restimulation and which are open to auditing. The Volcanoes Earth was undergoing volcanic upheavals during the days of life upon the beach. Possibly, it was this volcanic action which severed the chain of evolution, for there is a lack of real reason why this evolution should not be continuing on even today. The progress of evolution was cut at the beach, possibly because the beach is peculiarly subject to violence during volcanic upheavals sea and land being in clash. Now and then the auditor will find a volcanic upheaval incident in restimulation, with its palls of choking sulfuric smoke. It has been suggested that smoking tobacco is a sort of dramatization of volcanoes, which, at the least, were spectacular. Skipping forward. The ape. When man had advanced as far as the ape, he was agile and intelligent. The ape is usually an area of overt acts against animals and incidents of protecting young. The Piltdown Man Man's first real manhood is found in the Piltdown. 
a creature not an ape, yet not entirely a man. It is so named, not because it is accurately the real Piltdown Man, but because it has some similarity. The Piltdown contains freakish acts of strange logic, of demonstrating dangerousness on one's fellows, of eating one's wife, and other somewhat illogical activities. The Piltdown teeth were enormous, and he was quite careless as to who and what he bit, and often very surprised at the resulting damage. Obsessions about biting, efforts to hide the mouth, and early familial troubles can be found in the Piltdown. It is a wonderful area in which to locate GE Overt Acts. The Caveman Keeping women at home for men and keeping a man from keeping one at home for women can be found in The Caveman. Here, one crippled one's woman to keep her there or poisoned one's man for having kept her there. Marital malaction often goes back to The Caveman. Any condition of interpersonal relationships can be found in this area. Jealousy and overt acts around it, strangling, mashing in heads with rocks, quarrels about homes, tribal rebukes, pack instincts, can be found in The Caveman. And here we shall conclude the reading from L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology, A History of Man. I hope that this track has given you rest and put you to sleep. May your dreams be as happy as a clam or angry as an ape man. <laughs>